stands The dice rule every random chance Take off your coat and stay a while We'll roll in that deep percent time Hi Dave, it's Goblin Tenchman here. Just listen to your podcast on your Fighting Fancy Diary. So here's an idea for you for the duration of your spells or magic items or whatever. If you're looking for a minimalistic mechanic, um, look to the uh, surpri surprise system in AD&D. So you've got to roll under your, your target number, but whatever the number is, is the duration. So if you're a high-skilled scholar, your chance of this spell working is higher, but also you've got a greater chance of it lasting longer. Whereas a low skill scholar is going to have their spell, uh, it's going to be more difficult to roll under their skill, and you know, they might only last one or two turns. Whereas a higher skill scholar may get six, 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 say six turns out of it. Um, anyway, just a thought for you. Cheerio, bye. Thank you very much. That's Goblin's Henchman there with a suggestion in response to my last fighting fantasy design diary where I was saying, at least for magic, I would mess around with trying to get as much as possible out of um, out of the 2d6 that you would be assumed to have when you were trying to work out magical effects, damage, duration, and so on. So thanks very much for that suggestion, and it's certainly in the pot as a consideration. In fact, you can see I pick up on it in what follows, which is a continuation, maybe the last instalment, maybe I'll just do one more where I summarise what I've eventually come up with, but this is the last discussion point, I think, in my fighting fantasy design diary. Right, so here's a question out to you. I'm, I'm, this is probably the last episode of my fighting fantasy design diary before I just put out the little one-page edition that I'm planning. So the idea of my design diary, if you've been listening, it's been a little while since the last episode, is that I'm planning a sort of one-page insert that you can put into any of your game books if you've got the rules, and it will give you guidance on how to do fighting fantasy as an RPG. So I've aimed not particularly to be influenced by Dungeoneer, certainly not by the new AFF, or even by Fighting Fantasy, the introductory role-playing game, but just to to build from the rules as they're presented in the game books and give a give a sort of mini, minimal conversion um, that you would need to play it as a group round the table. So far, I've talked about a magic system, and I've talked about addressing the problem with the the one statness of the game so I've talked about having three separate skill stats instead of one but not going near anything like special skills or anything that you saw in Dungeoneer. So I've got a few other little tweaks that I'll maybe I'll do one more episode where I just go through what I've done but I've only got really one more point that I want to discuss. So here's the question the question is what do I do about damage? If you remember in the game books, there is fixed a fixed damage of two stamina. So if you win the round, if you get the higher attack strength, you do two points of damage. And if uh, your opponent wins, gets the higher attack strength, they do a fixed two points of damage to you. Now, that's actually the basic rules in Fighting Fantasy, the introductory role-playing game. That's the rules we've been playing for Simplicity and the Reading Reaver, because it's an online game. And it, and it works just fine. You know, the game, the game runs like that. Um, but there's a little bit of dissatisfaction with it you want you want some kind of variation in the damage so the first option that 
uh, Fighter Fantasy introduces is actually offered as an optional rule, variable weapon damage in the Riddling Reaver. Uh, and it's the weapon damage table, uh, which you see a more complex version of in Dungeoneer. So it sets you up a matrix. You've got a few different types of weapon down the left-hand side. And then along your along the top of the table, you've got the results of a D6. Because remember, you're limited to a D6. More on that later. So actually, a sword still does, regardless of the role, still does 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, 2. Um, but then some, some bigger weapons have some 3s in there, and some smaller weapons have some 1s. You get the idea. So there's a little bit of variation. So when you, when you win the attack strength, you roll your d6, control, consult the table. And you're still moving around within a range of 1 to 3 points, with 2 being in the middle. But it just gives you some variation i always found that fiddly even when running the riddling reaver it took me it took us a while as players to to work out that what you need to do is is write your six possible damage results you you write your one track of the table down on your character sheet so you're not constantly having to consult consult the table um now in dungeoneer uh, the table gets a lot bigger, and it is interesting that is the one where, where you worked out everything you could you could um you could just do you could just do modifiers and penalties on the fly, so you never really looked at the other tables once you got an idea of what the range of difficulties are like. But the damage table, you always found your way self thumbing towards, as I say, until you worked out that you just needed to write the damage line onto your character sheet. One funny thing about that is that it's an indication of how much Troika is influenced by Dungeoneer and is just a house rule of the Dungeoneer system. That, that, that damage table is not given as basic in the fighting fantasy system, the fighting fantasy game books, but it is, as I say, the thing you thumbed your way to most when you were playing Dungeoneer. So what um, Daniel Sell does in Troika is he puts the damage table, which he makes even more complex and even more convoluted and introduces a bigger range of damage, but the basics are the same as they're presented in Dungeoneer. He actually puts it on the inside cover of the book, which is really nice. Um, but you can see that's a direct, that's a direct an innovation which is linked directly to playing Dungeoneer and to thumbing back and forth to that damage table. What he could have done in Troika is consider some different way of doing damage because I've just never found it satisfying to roll dice and then consult a table for my damage. So that's not a route that I want to go down. But the advantage of that route, I mean, Daniel So introduces in, in Troika a much bigger damage range anyway. That table gets some of the damages on there are massive because you've got, you've got all sorts of different weapons and, and firearms and things. But the, the basics are the same. You roll the d6 and you consult it. Actually, in Dungeoneer, I think the range of um, possible results was given as 0 to 7 because when you test for luck, testing for luck was made even less powerful, I think, in that um, the result of testing for luck moved you up or down your roll on the damage track rather than adding or subtracting directly to the damage so it might if 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 your weapon that you rolled did two points of stamina on both a two and a three then if you rolled a two on your d6 and then used luck to to increase it you were still only doing two points of damage i seem to remember i, I remember testing for luck just got um to affect damage just got really pointless in in dungeoneer i i as it is i think that is not something that you're going to use massively unless you're pretty sure that your opponent is on their last legs, or you are, uh, and that and that one point could make all the difference. But I, anyway, anyway, I think I've resolved what I'm doing with with luck. Um, it's just damage that I haven't sorted. So, so the, there's the issues you've got. You you you're working with a range that averages out at about two points of of stamina damage. The game is set up that way, but you've got a d six, 
So it seems like that grid is the way to go. So there are various different, various different options that you could try. So one, linking in fact to um, Goblin Henchman's suggestion about spell duration, is you could go the route of saying actually damage could be the amount by which you exceed your opponent's attack strength. So that makes damage a lot swingier. On some occasions you can exceed your opponent's attack strength by quite a lot. So that will make combat much swingier and potentially much more damaging if you're unlucky. As that doesn't feel like fighting fantasy. That feels like it would be a significant change to the game, but that is one option. The other one is you could keep fixed damage, but you could vary the fixed damage. So I certainly don't want to have a big, long weapon table like you ended up having in Dun Dungeoneer and like you get in Troika. Um, I actually think small, medium and, medium and large weapons, with some differences in use for each of those, is probably plenty. So one other option you could take is just say, right, small weapons do one point, medium weapons do two points, like swords, and then heavy two-handed weapons do three points. That, that Already that seems more satisfying than the flat two points. But it's not entirely it's not entirely where I think I want to go. So what other options have you got? Well, look, you've got a D6. It's not a D3, but it's easily converted to a D3. Although I wonder if every time you roll damage, having to convert to a D3 might be a little bit not fight fancy and a little bit fiddly. But if you do use a D3 as your base, you now have got that range from one to three. So there's something satisfying about that. Um, so that's my first question, really. Can I get away with that? I mean, obviously, I've got lots of D3 dice I've picked up over the years, and they are good fun to use. It's not in the spirit of Final Fantasy to assume that people have got D3s. So they would be rolling D6s and halving. Can I get away with that for damage? That's the first question. Second question is then linking that to the weapon type. Seems to me you've got two possibilities there. If you're rolling D3 for damage, then what do we want to do with small, medium and large weapons? One thing we could do is add and subtract. So small weapons could be D3 minus one. Medium weapons could be D3. Large weapons could be D3 plus one. And I wouldn't mind small weapons then sometimes doing oh, um, zero damage. Um, because the basic assumption in fighting fantasy is that everybody's wearing scraps of armour. So sometimes doing zero damage with small weapons would be fine. So that's one option. That gives you, that actually now increases the range. We're, we've got a range of zero to four in possible damage. The other possibility, I think I like it more, is to use advantage and disadvantage. Now, I've talked about this before and said probably... Advantage and disadvantage aren't particularly fine fantasy, and I might use them in magic, but in general, um, for skill difficulty and stuff like that, I'm going to use the old plus two and minus two. So that's why D3 plus one, minus one seems like it would be a bit more in spirit. But having advantage and disadvantage is satisfying because it keeps you within that range of one to three, but obviously, then you can have medium weapons do D3 damage, light weapons do. Uh, D3 with disadvantage, and then heavy weapons do D3 with advantage. Is that too much mucking about? So now, for damage rolls, you're rolling D6, you're halving it, I mean, you're doing it twice, and you're looking for the highest result or the lowest result in certain cases. So those are my options. So the first one is, 
Well, I got I got, got a range of options. I, I think what I'd what I'd like what what I'd prefer to play with. I'd use my D three dice and I'd use advantage and disadvantage. That seems like fun. But remember that the spirit of the of the one page thing is that I keep within the spirit of the game books and I just make a few amendments so it's a bit more satisfying as a tabletop game. So now we've got the options of fixed damage but varying for weapon size, one, two or three depending on weapon size. Then we've got D3 damage where weapon size is accounted for or weapon type is accounted for by a by a straight D3 or a plus one or a minus one. And then we've got D3 damage with advantage or disadvantage. How should I be doing damage in my one-page fighting fantasy RPG? I'd be really keen to hear people's thoughts. Oh, I can't stop there. I can't stop there without, of course, considering the option which they must have considered before arriving at the damage table in fighting fantasy, which is to, of course, just use a d6 for damage. Now, the d6 is there. It does make the game a lot deadlier for both sides than it is in the book. Uh, but you could use a d6 for damage and then maybe smaller weapons could have a minus one, larger weapons could have a plus one. That difference is still significant over a period of time. So I didn't consider that, but of course you could just use a d6. One of the things I like about using the d3, as well as the range more closely mapping to the books, is that when you roll a double six for your attack strength, the various iterations of the game have got a sort of mighty blow rule where you can do an insta-kill on a foe. Well, I quite like, like, like the idea of saying when you get double six, as well as automatically winning uh, that round, you roll d6 instead of d3. That seems to me quite satisfying. But I didn't consider that, of course, I could just use a straight d6 for damage so keen to hear people's thoughts on that as well it does take you away from the books a little bit i feel the other bit of this quick appendix is i should probably say something about if you're going to have those three weapon sizes why are they going to count you know why are you ever going to use want to use a small weapon or a medium weapon well the first thing is i say large weapons they do more damage over time but they are two-handed and there are a whole bunch of things you might want to do with your offhand so you might want to have a torch if you're a got spells you're going to need your offhand for that or magic items i've talked about how i'm going to deal with those uh, the way i'm going to deal with shields uh, i don't really want to go about mucking about with having shields affect the damage so i thought shields could give you two possible benefits i really like the um, sunder shield rule so shields will do two things one is shields will give you the possibility of sundering the shield as a one-off and ignoring all damage from an attack. And the other thing that they will do is they will hinder ranged attacks against you. So if you've got a shield, you can hold it up and someone trying to hit you with a ranged attack, which I have got rules for, uh, will do that as a minus two. Basically, ranged attacks in this game, you can, you can get one off before combat, but unless you've got a good way that you are staying back out of the way, you're not going to do, be doing much ranged combat which you didn't find very much in the game books anyway. But then, then a ranged attack is a roll under skill, um, which would then be <coughs> hindered by particular aspects of the situation. So, for example, if your target has a shield. Um, and, then, and then the other thing you might want to do with your offhand is have a second weapon. I'm always asked about rules for uh, 
two-weapon fighting, the best rule I've ever found for two-weapon fighting, I really, really, really like it, is the 13th Age rule, where it's a D20-based system, and if you're fighting with a weapon in your offhand, it means that whenever you roll a natural two, natural one is still a fumble, whenever you roll a natural two, you can re-roll. I just think that's I think that's fantastic. It just makes it worth having a weapon in your off hand. It just gives you a valuable option between maybe having a shield, which I think just increases armor class by one in 13th age, maybe having a two-handed weapon, which would do more damage, and then having the two, uh, the, the weapon in the off hand. So I'm just going to take that one. I'm going to say when you roll a natural three. Um... And the that, that that appears about as frequently. It's not it's not quite the same as a two on a D twenty the way that two D six behaves, but it's but it's comparable. So I'm going to keep my snake eyes as a fumble, but say when you roll a three, you can re-roll if you've got a weapon in your offhand. So that that just makes it count. So um, the two-handed weapon would do more damage, but it means you can't do offhand fun. Why would you have the light weapon? Well. I think I will go that way. I've got my three skills. You're normally using your might skill or your warrior skill or whatever I'm calling it for combat. But if you have a if you have a light weapon, you can use your thief skill. Uh, and the other thing would be that light weapons are concealable. So I just think that gives that gives an account of why I would want those three different sizes of weapon damage and to also consider just having damage be on a straight d6 which could then be modified upwards or downwards for bigger or smaller weapons so that is me for today thanks again to goblin's henchman for the calling i mentioned the riddling reaver that is uh, the purple worm actual play so if you're interested in hearing some people occasionally play fighting fantasy and then uh, the rest of the time uh, muck about and tease their referee <laughs> then find us on purple worm and look for the actual play episodes and I, I i hope you enjoy that we certainly enjoyed recording them and i'll catch you soon thank you for listening if you'd like to contact dave please leave a message on anchor email dpercentile at gmail.com or find him on Twitter at D underscore percentile.